Hi again, it's Joe, and thanks so much for listening. I had the opportunity to read and review John Egan's new book, The Stripped-Down Guide to Content Marketing. Now, content marketing can be tough to navigate, especially for beginners. And if you need to step up your content marketing efforts, even if you're a grizzly veteran, John's book is a big help. Pick up a copy in Kindle, paperback, or hard copy at johnegan.net. That's johnegan.net, J-O-H-N-E-G-A-N.net. Get the stripped-down guide to content marketing today. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 353 of This Old Marketing for December 8th, 2022. And with me, as always, from the lovely, lovely country of Belgia? No, Belgium? Belgian? Belgia? <laughs> my good friend, my colleague, and really the only guy who's truly upset that the Pantone color of the year is magenta, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Well, how, how is how is belgium uh, it's it's thank you it's beautiful the people are so nice it's right, right now it's the same temperature as it is in cleveland ohio it's about 35 is degrees that right and cold but uh, but is it sunny is it it was sunny, it sunny today or it, it was sunny but you know okay. we're, we're supposed to get similar weather for the weekend and and we're staying through and enjoying ourselves and going to partake in much chocolate and beer there you go that's the thing to do as much as we can oh it's it's just yep. and the people here are so wonderful and you know, a little oh, tidbit beautiful. I found this out Brussels today. Brussels is absolutely spectacular. You'll you'll be interested in this because you were talking about, you know, I think on a couple shows we were talking about how we're almost making this a recession, because we're talking about it so much, especially right. in That's marketing right. and yep. whatever. Belgium is yep. the only company or only country that has mandatory wage increases based on an inflation index. So in January, they have their inflation index is at like eleven or twelve percent. So in January, yeah. everyone that works for some size company will get a wage increase of eleven to twelve percent, and it's usually one to two percent. And it's a big, big deal here. Everybody's talking about it. Man, that feels a little self fulfilling, though, right? I mean, I don't. That's the way they do it. So, so they're all talking yeah, about they're going to have to. I, I, like, I, what I do mean, you do? I would love. To I would love to hear an economist's view on that because my gut reaction to that is while it's great for the workers, it feels like it's just, it feeds the inflation, right? I mean, to a certain extent. Well, with the, I I had a wonderful lunch with a a number of content agencies and they were talking about how they were going to handle it, but specifically the clients, the marketing, you know, they are meeting with chief marketing officers. They seem to be holding their budgets and saying, okay, well, we'll we'll commit to the next six months, but I can't commit to the next year because of these wage increases. Well, here's the the question. Does it go down in a deflationary environment? I would never think it would go down. I would think, right, it's Europe, right? So it's not going down. But when's the last time? I mean, I don't know. I haven't been covering Europe, but in the United States, it's the inflation index has never, at least in my lifetime, it has never gone negative. Over a year's period of time, it did. 
Fair point. It yeah, did during COVID. Point. It was when we got really wacky there, but yeah, there's always right. been some increase. Uh, so I don't think it's a thing. But anyways, crazy, right? Yeah. Could you imagine it that is, happening in the United States? Oh, no. I can't backlash. imagine it happening in the United States. No, it would be, yeah. We would, would the you know, uh, the, I mean, half the House and Senate would go apoplectic with, you know, all kinds of <laughs> name calling. That is just, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, interesting, fascinating. It is. It, it's it's you know, fascinating. That, but long s- isn't, it, it's also one of the places, I believe, um, Belgium, or isn't it also one of the places that has experimented with the four-day work week? Uh, I don't know about that. I do know that they have a lot more holidays than normal countries. And well, that's well, that's Europe. I mean, yeah. that's you know, that's Europe in general. Generally, they were saying, oh, that a, the, aver- the average it's a bank worker, holiday. Yeah, today. the average worker gets about thirty days of vac- you know vacation time, and then another ten days of of bank holidays. So you're already at forty yeah. forty five. I mean, you're you know, right. maybe there's another fifteen in there. You could pull two months. Right. Oh, I mean, this is it's fant- Bluebird Monday. This hey, fan- it's a bank holiday. This is really fantastic. Really, it sounds like if you're right. going to be a worker and you can keep your job, great place to be. <laughs> yeah. Keeping the job oh. thing might be the issue if companies are going to lay off because of the increases. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not quite. You're an just going to enjoy the chocolate and 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 the beer and the beautiful bucolic Brussels, which, by the way, I, I have been to several times. And absolutely enjoyed myself every single time I was there. It's just a beautiful city, a beautiful country. It's it's really great. And, you, and you, you, you're not a beer person, but you still not really. No, not really. But the chocolate was amazing. Um, you know, and they have the one thing that you get throughout Europe is great French wine. So and Italian wine and Spanish wine and you know, all the rest of it, but there are, you get really good wine when you're in Europe. So I'm, I'm, I, I do, I do just fine. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you were a professional yeah. when it comes to wine and I, tequila. So I, I lost my amateur status. Yes. Many years ago. That is, <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. We're, we're excited correct. to try out some of the, the new beer, not new to us beers of Belgium because they have this thing called the Abbey where I, you know, it's, it, where monks used to make beer, but they have taken that on as a marketing aspect of it. And you can only, Mm. only, I think there's only 15 or 16 abbeys in the world that can actually produce beer a certain way. So I have to really pace myself because I mean, if there's 15 to 16, that's, you know, and plus if you, if you, if if you're going to have a duval in there every once in a while, I mean, that's eight and a half or 9% alcohol right there. Yeah. So I have to be responsible. When I was, when I was uh, uh, when I was in Amsterdam, one of my earliest trips as a newfound consulting guy, you know, in the in the world that you and I occupy, I met with this company and they took me out the Dutch equivalent of bar hopping, right? Where you go into individual pubs and you get these tiny little beers. They they they're they're in small. Like know, a, it's a maybe. regular size beer here. It's thirty three, right? It's like, well, no, it's not a pint. I'm I'm saying it's a, it's this it's it's a tiny. It's like the equivalent of three or four shots. Okay. But you you you, 
you have many of them. Let me put it that way. You start in one and you maybe have two or three of those and you're like, oh, this is easy. Then you go to the next pub and you do two or three more and you go to the next pub. And by the eighth or ninth pub that you've done the walk of uh, around the town, because they have a whole, they have it all planned out, right? I mean, it's, you're going, they, and they actually have names for their tours, right? They, you know, it's, they, they literally have a name for the drunken the, stupor the, tour, the order in which you do them. Oh. Yeah. The order in which you do the pubs. And by the time you get to your ninth or 10th one, you're sloshed. I mean, you're just absolutely blotto and you're <laughs> drinking these tiny little beers that you never realized how much beer you were actually drinking. And then they pour you into a taxi cab and then send you back to your hotel. It's a lovely evening. Uh, yeah, it, sounds, you. <laughs> it sounds like not a lot of time you get to the hotel and you go right to sleep. It's kind of like it. that. That's it. That's it. And then you wake up the next day and have to go visit with the client again. And it's like, hmm. That was a mistake. Yeah, that was that was a mistake. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get any of those tours. But I am. No, no. I am quite impressed yeah. with the holiday festivities in Brussels and how much they do it up. Oh, do they have a Christmas market? Do they have a Christmas market? Well, up? we have. We just took a quick tour through, but they uh, apparently at night everything's lit up. They've got special over the weekend. They're going to have special things that are going to go on. I will report back. I think it's going to be. Yeah. I think it's going to be a thing. It's going to be special. If there's a Christmas market, you must go. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about... I mean, I wish we did that here in the U.S. Well, I will request, I will request it. I'll talk to somebody. I'll talk to the head Belgium person, and it'll and we'll make it happen once they... I'll just say, you know, do, do what you did when Robert Rose was in town. Something like that. That's exactly sure what you need work. to do. Yeah, that's all you need yeah. to do. That's all you need to do. Anything else? Well, for, you know, before we get started, uh, congratulations on the anniversary Oh, thank you. You told me you had a great time. We did. It's a we momentous did. occasion. Three thirty zero, years, correct? Yeah, thirty years. Wow. Can you believe it? Yeah, thirty years. We're... She is one patient woman. Uh, That's amazing. <laughs> That's yes. Well, as I said in my Facebook post, I don't know how I've rated for the last thirty years, but uh, I'm glad that I do. I, I absolutely am glad that I do. Yeah, she's put up with my nonsense for a long time, so. Yeah, it was lovely. We went up to Big Sur and and had a great time up there. And uh, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. I mean, is just absolutely spectacular up there. And it's you know, I mean, there's great hikes and you can sit and watch the water and drink some wonderful Sonoma County wine. And it's just, uh, yeah, absolutely spectacular. Uh, and then, of course, we have to finish it off before we talk about news. You had a great week, your cowboy Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so congratulations! They're playing well. On yeah, they're that playing bludgeoning. well. Yeah, yeah, that they're was, playing and, well. And the 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 Browns didn't even need Deshaun Watson because they scored all their points on special teams and defense. Which yeah, there amazing. you go. <laughs> I which did not Jacoby watch the Brissett game. Saying, "Where were you when I was starting?" Yeah, where, what? Like, here's the thing: I did not watch the game because I was away. I was away for my anniversary, uh, and um, and for those of you wondering, I did not even watch the game. Um, uh, on my anniversary, which was the game was actually on my anniversary, so I didn't even watch the oh Cowboys. Oh my god, you! That's, wow, that's how much, you got extra points for yeah, that. That's how much dedication I have. Um, wow. But so I did not see the game. How did he play? Uh, like he hasn't played in seven hundred days. There we go. That's as as I predicted. As I predicted. yes, and and it's not it's not something that's going to come back the next game. It nope. was extreme rust. Yep. 
and was slow to read through an interception, whatever. But the defense was unbelievable. Like, well, your defense you is playing very well. All, has been all year, really. They've been pretty good all year, but to stop on the run is two defensive touchdowns yeah. and have a punt return in the yeah. same game. There you go. It does, does, doesn't happen. Yeah. So and so we remain in the playoff hunt with a two percent chance. Big game this week to make it. You got a big game this week. Well, ben, yeah, ben, Cincinnati Bengals, who yeah. we were fortunate to beat last time at home. This is in Cincinnati, so though. So, and of course, they're coming off a big victory. Maybe there's a letdown. They had that great game against Kansas City. So yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, you've had Cincinnati's number for the last three or four times. You've you've beat. That's them. the only team. Yes, yeah, exactly. And Cincinnati Bengals fans are wondering what the problem is. Yeah. Like, why can't they beat <laughs> right. Cleveland? Yeah. So yeah. So we're, we're that team for them. There and they're so, but they're, Burrow is so so good. He is. He is. He's so good. But he is. All right. Whatever. Let's get to our show, yeah. shall we? Let's uh, let's actually do a show here because we got to get oh, you. Yes. To, we got to get you to chocolate first of all. Um, yes. We're we're anticipating chocolate yeah. very soon. Absolutely. Right after this is done. So we have a fun show. Uh, we'll do our, you know, we got to we gotta do our regular, uh, you know, what's up at, you know, what's up with Twitter segment, it feels like. Um, so we'll very quickly cover just some of the latest news around the Bird app. Uh, we will then move and pivot into really what everybody has been talking about the last week and a half or so, how ChatGPT, the AI engine, is really shaking up people in both good and bad ways in terms of... Uh, what's going on there from an artificial intelligence standpoint. Work from a couple of different stories on that. Then we'll talk about General Electric and how they may have really done one of the most interesting advertising things in the last few years by buying out the entirety of the New York Times inventory uh, for uh, about a week, uh, for this week, yeah. Um, And then if we get time, we'll talk about the Texas government and how they have now banned TikTok from uh, their users uh, or their employees' phones and how that may portend the beginning of the end for what's going on with TikTok and their ability to continue to go viral here in the U.S. And then I will rant a little bit about Gartner's new uh, CMO outlook for the next year and talk about why I think that's a load of hooey. Uh, And uh, Joe's will rant a little bit about online gambling and what's going on there with a very specific example uh, of, uh, I guess it's got some content marketing implications too. For yeah, there might, there might be. Yeah, I, want, I actually want to get your take on it. But I'm very excited because there's nothing like a Robert Rose rant about Gardner. I, I would love this. There, this has to be seven or eight. Maybe the record for you in rants is... Is McKinsey sometimes Gartner? No, not McKinsey. Usually, 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 I'm 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 pretty. Oh, Forrester. I'm, Forrester is the other one. Yeah, Forrester. Forrester I, and yeah, actually, I Forrester more. Sorry, than McKinsey folks. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, McKinsey's really upset about that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure. That by the way, I'm sure the Gartner and Forrester people ten are all torn wanted. up about it too. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody cares. Um, that's let's be clear. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Let's sure. open with our first story, which we should have music for this. We should have music for like the Twitter update or some tweeting birds or uh, maybe uh, that, you know, you know what we need? We need we need like a Frank Sinatra like singer going, you know, that musky scent <laughs> that, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Which um, is one of the our better shows. The musky scent. I'm Twitter. actually going to find that. I'm going to find someone who can who can give us a little bit of the musky scent. 
as All a, right, so if, if as we a do Michael a Blue Bay standard next week, which we probably will, we will we will put in a little bit of here's the here's the theme song for this there special. We go. Yeah, because this is probably what our sixth or seventh week of covering. That's right. Twitter first thing, which I don't know if people love it or hate it, but it just is. It is. It is. And it's news, it and we have to cover it. That's the way okay. it, you know, that's the way it is. And All right. What, and, and what news portends this week? Well, it's from the New York Times, although a number of mainstream outlets are actually covering it because it was actually pretty big news. Um, Elon Musk uh, and Matt Taibbi, uh, the, I mean, do we call him a journalist? I'm not really sure we call him a journalist, but uh, let's use journalist in rock and roll quotes there. Uh, basically revealed uh, a number of internal documents from Twitter that set off a bunch of debates about whether it was nothing or whether it was something. Uh, and what happened was that uh, Elon Musk had touted the idea that he was going to release the Twitter documents or the Twitter letters or whatever you want to call them, and basically said he was going to reveal some uh, internal documents around the idea of the 2020 presidential race and Joe Biden's brother. Uh, on the surface, as the article opens up, a typical example of recording Reporting the news, a journalist obtains internal documents from a major corporation shedding light on a political dispute that flared in the waning days of the 2020 race. But when it comes to Elon Musk and Twitter, nothing is typical. The so-called Twitter files released on Friday evening by the independent journalist Matt Taibbi uh, set off a firestorm among pundits, media ethicists, and lawmakers in both parties. It also offered a window into the fractured modern landscape of news, where a story's reception is often shaped by readers' assumptions about the motivations of both reporters and subjects. The tempest began when Mr. Musk began to tease the release of the internal documents that said would reveal the story behind Twitter's 2020 decision to restrict posts linking to a report in the New York Post about Joseph Biden's junior's son, Hunter Biden. Mr. Musk, who had accused tech companies of censorship, then pointed readers to the account of Mr. Taibbi, an iconoclast journalist. I love the way they just continue to put adjectives in front of journalists um, who shares Mr. Musk's disdain for the mainstream news media. Published in the form of a lengthy Twitter thread, Mr. Taibbi's report included images of email exchanges among Twitter officials deliberating how to handle dissemination of the post story on the platform. The article goes on to talk a little bit more about it and what actually happened and some of the reaction from Fox News and some of the other uh, news organizations. I dug into a little bit of this because I had, uh, quite honestly, my wife drove back from... uh, from uh, Big Sur, and I had time to sort of look through my phone and read some of the articles here. This was nothing. I mean, I don't know what your take on this is, but I, I just looked at this and went, yeah, they debated internally about some stuff, made a mistake, said that they should not or pull it down or not do it. Um, basically, there was a thing about Hunter Biden's junk, really, I mean, for lack of a better word, that they decided that they would pull down. But this seems like there's, like this was this was a lot of build up to nothing. I mean, what did you think? Well, I, your your point is that there must be some board in Elon's office that he has like, okay, what can I do this week to keep me in the news? Well, there's that for sure. That's yes. no, that. In my opinion, that's the first thing because yep. Elon's trying to make a case that Twitter pre Elon did not uh, adhere by the, you know, 
was not pro First Amendment, which it has nothing, this has nothing to do with the First Amendment. What I see, I read through this whole thing, read through a couple other articles, and it looks like, wow, this is Twitter, the media company, as they are, trying to figure out what the truth is. Yeah. That's it. <clears throat> so, and by the, what's yeah. so, so great. You've got some insight into how they were doing that. And Facebook has dealt with some of these things, right, rightly and wrongly. And you've got Twitter and you have um, Instagram and all of them. They all deal with this stuff. And that was, this is just one occurrence of it. And it's, it's non-news. And here we are covering it as news. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the thing that is annoying is that, A, they doxed, um, I don't know how many Twitter employees who were going back and forth and debating this, rightfully, by the way, rightfully debating it and trying to figure out what the right thing to do was, you know. And the second thing that annoys me is that this is sort of the, I guess, the icing on the cake or whatever the right metaphor is, because I don't see them publishing the Twitter letters about when they pulled Trump or Yee off the platform. Like, where's the where? I mean, I'm sure there was just as much, if not more, debate about that internally. And where where are those letters? Right? Where are those? Uh, where's that debate? And it's just, it, I think you you hit it perfectly, which is he literally has something in his calendar, which is how am I? You know, penciled and circled Monday, Wednesday, Friday of every uh, of every week. How am I in the news? How am I in yep. the news? How am I in the news? And he's got some PR firm being bonused by making this some sort of top story that people are 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 getting upset over. And you know, we're feeling we're, we're falling for that bait too. I 100% cop to it that this is this is us falling for the for for the debate. And and maybe that's the is this the tipping point? Like is this the tipping point where we as a show should just stop covering this because it's not really worthy of conversation or is the conversation worthy of conversation? I, I, I go back and forth on it, to be honest. Well, I think people still are hungry to know what's going on. And if you're Elon, so I think we, sh- we still should cover it because it's relevant to marketers being yeah absolutely 100 percent is relevant for marketers. but if you if you look at i don't know the exact stats but if you look at twitter's user growth over the past 30 days it's up significantly as a percentage more than normal yep so i know a lot of that has to do with the newness and you got a lot of people coming to the platform now because of elon or whatever the case is but whatever he's doing right now is working just like i think you brought it up a couple episodes ago about the whole idea of shock content right i'm gonna say things that are polarizing because i get more followers it actually works it's a thing elon knows that it's a short-term work though see that's the thing where where the how do you know though how do you know it's short term? Because he, he's been doing this on Twitter itself for the last many years, and he has more followers than anyone else because of it. Yes, but you have to change, right? Because in order for it to work long term, you have to find new things. This is what, if you look at you know Trump as an example of this, Trump has done roughly the same type of strategy. Where is the news about me? Where is the news about me? And say something ever more, you know, vitriolic or or whatever it is in order to get to that news. One is it does escalate. There is there is a level of escalation there where the house of cards can fall in on itself. And one might argue that Trump has reached that point. Uh, the second thing is is that 
what Trump has done so well is to change the topic of the story, right? To change the story about what it is that generally there's a backbone that, you know, him, for him it's the election and all of that, but the, the, the topic of the story is different. You, he's just going to run out of material, as I guess is my point. At some point, Musk is going to run out of material on, on Twitter oh. that, that is going to be interesting. And, it, and at some point, it becomes the, you know, the boy who cried wolf. I'll play devil's advocate on Musk. I think it could go on for a long time. I really do. I think that he can always find something to needle. You may be right. And it can go on and on and on. And the people keep joining and they keep looking at this. Half of them are looking at it like we talked about last episode is a dumpster fire. Half of them yeah. love the guy. It could be enough. And again, we've talked about this. It, there's the model that it's becoming is not a media model. It's something else. We just don't know what that is. And yeah. I, I just commented on uh, Michael Stelzner posted on his Facebook feed about, because we had in the tilt, we covered Mastodon. You know, our good friend Stephen Davis wrote, yep. wrote yep. a great article on Mastodon. And he was talking about how clunky it was and what's the future of Twitter? And I said, the future of new Twitter or old Twitter is new Twitter. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be Twitter. So we'll see. It's just not going to be advertising because we know 80% of those people, <laughs> advertisers aren't going to support what's going on, but users will. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's it'll be I'm very saying. interesting Who to knows? see. It'll be, a, well, that was, that was your Twitter update for the week. Twitter update. We got to find a name for it. So you're going to work on music. We got to find a, a catchy name. The musky like, scent um, is something not bad. around dumpster fire. The musky mus- scent, yeah. The musky, musky scent, tw- the musky files, yeah. The musky I files. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move yeah. on now to something more interesting to chat about here, which is what so many people seem to be talking about right now, which is AI and specifically Chat GPT, uh, the engine which has been out. Uh, from OpenAI for a while, but uh, it has been made open, and so everybody has begun to experiment with it. And there are a lot of responses, uh, positive, negative, etc. We'll link to two uh, things in the show notes before we have a little discussion about it. The first is from Marketing AI Institute, our uh, good friend Paul Reitzer, uh, who runs that organization, and his blog post actually on the site, uh, which is entitled The Marketer's First Experience with ChatGPT from OpenAI. He opens by saying, I just tested ChatGPT from OpenAI, and my immediate reaction after five minutes is that the marketing profession, business world, and society are not even close to ready for what is about to happen as a result of rapid advancements in artificial artificial intelligence. Everything we know about communications, creativity, and strategy is going to be redefined and reimagined in the months and years ahead. The closest comparison I can find in my mind to understand the magnitude of the moment would be to rewind to June 2007 when the iPhone was introduced. What is about to be built in the generative AI space is basically the equivalent of the emergence of the app ecosystem, which Apple says facilitated $643 billion in billings and sales worldwide in 2020. He goes on with, I mean, some pretty, pretty astounding hyperbole here. He's, he's kind of, he's, he's impressed, let's just put it that way, with the whole uh, situation with ChatGPT. Uh, we will partner that with an article, uh, and by the way, there are many blog posts out there that are, that are covering this from various angles. Uh, the Ad Age article that I found interesting is Five Ways AI is Being Used in Marketing. Interesting article there that talks about how AI is becoming 
an incredible trend here at the end of 2022 and expected to be even bigger in 2023, says the article in this opening. The use of artificial intelligence uh, to savvier consumers' likes and dislikes, turning to machines to do some of the heavy lifting. That lifting includes the use of virtual influencers for products and campaigns, using AI to fuel creative copy, uh, create images. Many of the brands are creating new images using the Dolly 2 platform and mid-journey. So creating copy, speeding up ROI with analytics, wrapping up data into other kinds of dashboards and virtual influencers seem to be the top ones that AdAge is talking about with marketing. I find all this interesting and definitely have a take, but what do you think? What do you, what do you think about all of this from a, from a content creator standpoint for sure, but from just a general, you know, what are you, what are you seeing out there? I think we're just a stone's throw from the singularity. Wow. All right. <laughs> wow. That's, that, uh, that escalated and fast. For those, yeah, right. yeah. for those of you that don't know, that's a, a book uh, concept, by, uh, probably popularized by Ray Kurzweil, who uh, talked about when AI becomes self-aware and, uh, when that happens, uh, you get the Terminator movie, right? Pretty much. <laughs> is that kind of what it looks sure. like? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's I, the singularity for sure. I think why people, and by the way, what's crazy about this more than anything else is not the technology and what we're looking at. It's it's how many people are talking about this right now. It is nuts. I, I swear there were a whole three days where that's all people were talking about. Oh my God, this is a thing and it can do this and this and this. What's amazing is... We've been inundated with this type of technology for the past couple of years with like Google and Apple Maps and Netflix, but this is the first time that it really has something to do with our content creation, content marketing jobs. It's very tangible. We can see that in front of us. Um, so I'm, I'm probably more on the side of Paul. I think this is a big deal. I think that it's going to have consequences for us in all, a number of our tasks and can make us more efficient and we can actually make decisions based on should we use AI in this way? Uh, I don't know the ethics behind it. And the issue right now, I think more than anything else is what is G, chat GPT speaks or whatever. It creates content like it's truth, like it's a hundred percent true. Exactly. And I actually, and so I'll give you an example of what I was trying to figure out. I wanted to get them to do something that's not right. And I typed in who coined the term content marketing. Yep. And the first one that comes up is uh, Ann Hanley. And there was a second one that came up after that. It was me. It said Joe Pol- It said Ann Hanley in 2001. I said, what's the next one? It said Joe Polizzi in 2001. Neither of those are correct. Right. It was coined at a journalism conference in 1996. But so where, where are they getting this information? What is this is that's this is going to be the biggest issue that's going on because it's almost like, uh, well, people will talk about textbooks that were created in, in you know, certain periods of the United States that that truths were left out because of people's interests in them. So where is the information coming from that ChatGPT builds this idea of truth? And then do we take this idea of truth and actually build marketing programs and therapy sessions and campaigns around this that's scary to me so well that i mean that that sums it up for me in a nutshell which is right now we'll see if this improves but ai is only intelligent to the what it has learned 
right? And and if and if you're using the body of the internet as the database the by which it yeah. learns, you are in a heap of trouble. Uh, because the other the other one the the fun one to do is have it write a bio of you, right? Have it write a bio of Joe Polizzi, and you'll be amazed at how what you've done in your life according to chat gpt and the interesting thing is is that you nailed it with the with the content marketing origin story because what ai is good at right now and again i keep using the words yet and right now because this is evolving very very quickly very quickly is if you have something that requires knowledge that is binary right or wrong ChatGPT may be interesting for that, right? In other words, having it write code or having it solve a math problem and show you how to solve that math problem is pretty pretty interesting, right? There was a Twitter thread that you and I got passed along which showed that said Google is dead because if you do a Google search for how to solve this math problem, it gives you all sorts of, you know, weirdness. And, um, and then if you ask chat GPT to solve it, it actually solves it very elegantly and shows you exactly how it solved it and, and straightforward because that information is there, right? That is, it's, it's two different use cases, by the way, I can't, you can't compare Google search with chat GPT because it's very different use cases about the knowledge that you're trying to get transferred. Google is trying to open it up to as much knowledge as you to let you, the human, choose what is the right answer. And ChatGPT is trying to immediately give you the right answer. And that works fine if you've got a body of knowledge that is actually accurate and, and you know, un, unassailable. When you start asking it opinions, to, in other words, to synthesize facts into something that is true or that is, is a high confidence of true – that's where it gets really problematic, like assembling your story, like assembling the history of content marketing, because it's only going to be, you know, it will only be able to assemble what it has learned from the body of knowledge that it can learn from. Therefore, synthesizing facts, it's going to reach for something. It's going to have a high confidence in whatever mm-hmm. it can reach, and <clears throat> it's going to use frequency to deliver that level of confidence. And so if there's a lot of misinformation out there, it's going to return a lot of misinformation when it starts to synthesize all those information points together. So we're a long way off. So from from a creative standpoint, I see from a, you know, from a creative standpoint, like having it write poetry or, you know, somebody else posted that it, you know, asked it to write lyrics to a country song, which was actually relatively impressive. Well, that's interesting, right? That's that there's, there's an interesting level of creativity because there is no right. There is no correct. Whatever Maybe it that's comes the way back, to look with. at it, right? Yeah, that's, but also, yeah, but also to to your other point, maybe the bigger story is how it disseminates the information, and it sounds very much like a human being and not like a computer wrote it. In a, well, in that's true as well. It's it's yeah, and you that's could, that's the beauty of it. Yes. I think more than anything else, it's really disseminates. Like, wow, this is. It does sound like a human being. And that can be tuned as well, this. right? That is that is something that can be tuned as well. I mean, one of the things that I wrote in the I, I wrote a piece for AI around <clears throat> some of the 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 earlier versions of this, and I said the more interesting application is in a smaller world scenario. In other words, where the learning corpus for the AI isn't actually encouraged to be 
wide open to the world, but rather within the constraints of a company. In other words, I don't want it to start making up stuff. What I want it to do is actually look at the body of knowledge within my company, all the how-to manuals, all the specs, all the data, all the things that I have in my giant database and start to synthesize only that and tune it in a way that says, okay, great, now I have a very interesting customer service application that can speak like a human, synthesize all these facts much faster, and assemble a how-to, you know, how to solve this problem, or how to solve that problem, or how to solve problems that I never even knew would be a problem in a way that speaks in the way that the company wants to speak. That's the more interesting application, certainly in the short term, is, is a limited set of knowledge rather than sort of trying to encompass the entire knowledge. You know, the sexy, interesting, funny thing, you know, the, the, the Terminator and the singularity is where you have the entire body of the Internet as, as the learning model. And you're trying to get things to, you know, to, to come out of that that are interesting and creative. I think that's, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I think that's. It's- problematic at best in the short term i read it i read a little article from the new york times and it it linked over but it was talking about how if a computer's knows that it's running on um you know it needs it needs computer power to make itself go and it wants more of this computer power so that chat gpt and other ai can actually work it they're going to destroy the humans that are taking the other (laughs) other amounts of power because they need more power. You know, it's totally the Terminator scenario. But so I'm that's like, the oh, Matrix, man. right? <clears throat> totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is, I can really geek out over this. I guess my recommendation to anyone listening is go to chat.openai.com and play around with it. Have you You'll, played you around know. with the 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 other thing that seems to be hot and heavy right now, which is the Lenza uh, avatar art stuff have you no but i've seen it everywhere and i'm almost it's almost too much it's like every every other person has given this new profile well you can see it immediately they're really good yeah i mean it's got a style right so you can immediately see the style and go ah that's a lensa avatar etc so it's to me it's an intellectual curiosity more than anything else i'm curious the there's a lot of pushback on it that says it seems to be stealing licensed and other artists work in order to generate it. But I haven't and I and I'm curious if anybody out there in the audience has seen it. There's there's a lot of claims that it's stealing other artists work, but I haven't found any links to anybody who says this is whose work is getting stolen. And so I'd really you know, isn't be- isn't it more like I mean, isn't it more like an Andy Warhol type that when you're taking an image but you're changing it well, but that's extent. a different. Yes, yeah, to me, that's a different. That's being inspired by, right? That's being inspired by, and 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 that's well, a different this learning. Being inspired mode, by, you know, the lenses being inspired by the original exactly. photography, and it's creating something new from something old. That's right. That's that's the equivalent of me trying to take a landscape picture and say and try and do it in the style of Ansel Adams, right? And yeah. that to me is not copying. That is being inspired by, and, I, and and as I understand to my limited knowledge of the AI, that's really the the learning model that's being deployed here. But I don't want to make that assumption. If there if there is if they are actually stealing work, you know, and just putting deep fake faces of our faces on this work that they're stealing, that is stealing. And so I'd be I'm, I'm curious because sure. there is a line there that gets crossed, and and the question is where and when does it get crossed? 
Well, and and I'm I'm just intrigued by uh, trying these things out because, as you know, we tried Dolly, and I use I say 15, 20 minutes every week on doing the show image for this yeah. show, and they're good. They're real, and they almost get it on the first try. Yeah. So I'm just like, this is this. So I want I want more, and maybe that's the opportunity for content creators and marketers. Well, to me, that's it, right? Can you, yeah. yeah. What's your problem, and can something like this fix it? And the answer is maybe. It's the equivalent of, of what Photoshop did, what digital photography did. It's, it's the equivalent of just about every technology that has ever affected the creative process. It is a multiplier of our talent, right? It is a multiplier of talent, not a replacement of. And it, that, you know, it, 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 and for those who are saying, ah, I'll, I'll never go there because it, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, stealing this or stealing that or it's a replacement for creativity, et cetera. I'll just remind you of Clayton Christensen's wonderful quote, you may hate gravity, but gravity does not care. It's mm-hmm. here. You are not changing it. So you should learn to live with it and figure out how to live with it and shape it rather than it shaping you. So, But I wonder, I wonder if specific to, you know, early days content marketing, if just answering questions is enough anymore because if you that's, have well, that's exactly it. Yeah, AI, that's, that's yeah, right. Have an open source AI software that can answer the same question for everyone in a unique and compelling way, then you have to do something different. hundred percent. That's not enough. Those yep. are table stakes. Now. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Relevance these days is table stakes. Bringing the human and the creativity to it is what you have to do to differentiate now. That's so good. That's the whole, yeah. It took us 15 minutes to get to that point for people listening to this. You know that, right? Fantastic. <laughs> All right. One quick, uh, one quick uh, story here before we jump into rants and raves here, which is uh, the GE, and we can cover this quickly because I think we both have a very fast take on it. Um, the, well, this is going to come to us courtesy of Axios. This is GE buys out the entire New York Times print paper uh, in historic first. The New York Times on Tuesday, that's just a couple of days ago, unveiled a unique version of its weekday print paper featuring more than two dozen ads from just one advertiser, General Electric. It's the first time in the paper's 171-year history that any advertiser has gotten to own all of the Times' print real estate exclusively, in addition to most of its premier digital advertising real estate. To celebrate the occasion, top executives from the Times and GE met at the Times flagship printing press in Queens to watch the papers print in real time on Monday evening. The partnership represents a shift at the Times in the last 10 years from selling pages ad hoc to building big interactive marketing campaigns for brands that are highly produced and can earn their own coverage. The seven-figure campaign centers on GE's core message of focus, which is to basically celebrate the fact that it has now split into three publicly traded companies, GE Healthcare, GE Aerospace, and GE Vernova, which is energy. Um, I definitely have a quick take on this, but what is yours? Uh, my, my quick take is you're going to see more of these types of programs where advertising really becomes custom sponsorship. Yep. And it includes not just the ad, it includes multiple layers of storytelling. And that's exactly what GE's done here. So hats off. I'm totally impressed that this was a print and an interactive buy. And what's interesting at the end of the Axios article, the New York Times talks about this would, this takes a special type of client to do this. GE is that special type of client that had, they've done like this stuff in the past. Uh, they have the chops to do it. Their agencies were all up for it. I see more of these things happening with even with the clients and sponsors and partners we're working with. They don't just want an ad anymore. 
They want something that's really going to stand out, really special. So it's this collaboration of a media company and an advertiser that's gonna gonna make some of these things work. And I just love it. Hats off to Linda Boff and the team for doing this. Um, you're gonna see more of it. Hundred <clears throat> percent. You know, I, I would say it, it's it's one of those things where. I saw a lot of the reaction in some of the marketing community saying, oh, this is so old school. This is, you know, the it's not representative of what modern marketing really is, you know, and all of that. And I just couldn't disagree more. This to me, marketing at the end of the day is around how do you create something worth talking about and creating value. Um, and even though this was really old school in terms of an idea of a, like you say, a, a, an entire publication sponsorship or a benefactor or a takeover, if you like that, you know, we used to, in the old days, we used to do, you know, Yahoo homepage takeover. Um, and this was a takeover of the print magazine, which did what? It got everybody talking about it. It got everybody talking about not only the stunt, the idea, uh, in the similar way that a Super Bowl commercial gets you talking about the idea or the brand, but also talking about what's going on at the brand, right? What, where, what, why would they do this? What would they do about this? And and the message that the company is now splitting up comes through loud and clear in every single article because they, they, they're always covering, well, why would GE do something like this? Well, it's because they're celebrating this, you know, this, the split of all these companies, which from a brand perspective is really important. Uh, and it's, and it's a super, uh, interesting way to do this. So I'm, I echo exactly what you just said. Hats off to Linda Boff and, and the teams for putting all this together. This I'm sure was no easy feat. Uh, it was complex and hard and I'm sure expensive. Uh, and it just, it's, it's the kind of marketing that really goes it's one of those things that we'll i think we'll look back on in 10 and 20 years and go that that was an interesting thing right you know like we look back at and i'm not suggesting that it's the same level as the apple 1984 commercial or where's the beef or the man in the chair which is b2b but the classic advertising campaigns and classic marketing campaigns this will this will enter into that you know, the hall of fame as it were in terms of that, that kind of thing. So, cause it's historic. It really is. It's so, and by the way, it makes off. another case for print as something that's re renewed as innovative. And the fact that as social media moves toward continuing toward content discovery, it's very hard to get somebody that lean back content experience where they ask questions. Print is still there. And if you look at the great print publications around the world right now, they're succeeding. You're going to spend 30 minutes sometimes with one of these publications. Yes. You can't get that online. Very that's hard right. to get that online. So, again, that's another one of these reasons why GE put you know, focused money into something like this. That's right. That's right. Real quickly, do you want to say anything about uh, the TikTok ban in Texas or oh, the anything TikTok, like that? Yeah, the 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 you know real quick the headline again: Axios, Texas becomes latest state to ban TikTok on government devices. You know, you and I are just need to cover this ongoing. Uh, there could you know you mentioned before we talked lots of breadcrumbs here that could lead to something bigger as yeah. more and more governmental entities in the United. We saw it in South Dakota a week or two ago. Yep. We're seeing it now in Texas. This this is the first round of 
people in the government saying there's a security risk here because of TikTok being owned by a Chinese company, regardless of how they operate or they operate in the U.S., doesn't matter. Um, there's an issue here, and, it, and I, it's going to come to a head at some point, and I think every couple weeks you're going to be seeing more of these articles, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's going to be a big announcement. Yep. So. <clears throat> I 100% agree, and I think once we get through the holidays and what's coming out of the January 6th committee meeting, I think early next year, this is going to become front and center. I think I've, I've, I've completely turned That's a corner soon. on this. Uh, yeah, because you were you were totally. I, I said I was skeptical. Be banned, and you're like, no, it never yeah, happened. That's now true. You're... I I I really was. I was skeptical about it, but now after seeing what's going on, I'm I'm I I will fully admit to being wrong on this. And yeah, it's 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 turned around quite. Uh, well, so here's my question, and I know I know we want to get to other things, but this is, a, is important. What would TikTok have to do right now not to be banned, not to continue down this path? sell themselves to you know or or divest themselves of the US operations completely I think oh, you mean the, divest themselves of any Chinese involvement correct and that? and create a US separate company with you know yeah. completely separate completely separate in no way shape or form because that's the that's what they're saying right now they're saying hey we're <clears throat> we're completely separate we're we're outside but you they can't answer the question can can the parent company in China get your information, and if if that's the case, which it is, they they can't any that the companies in China right. can get that. That means that the government in China gets access to that because that's what they <laughs> they do. They get they get uh, to to take on all that uh, data data owning or renting capability, and that would be it. That's the only solution. Yep. Or this, this and if you don't think way. Facebook right now is frothing at the mouth. And have every single one of their lobbyists in Washington pushing for this. Pushing for this, you are mistaken. They are maybe out that's, there. Maybe that's the biggest thing that nobody's talking oh, about. You have there's Apple, so much. Yeah, you have Apple, Google, Meta, and Microsoft all pushing for this. Of course, that's Apple. That's maybe not. Apple maybe doesn't care that much. But but the others. I don't do. know. It's twenty five percent of the Nas of the Nasdaq. I mean, it's, it's a lot yeah. of money. Oh, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, hell of a lot so, of money. A lot of, lot of power there. Yeah. All right, so. folks, it is now time for our rants and raves. And before we get to the rants and raves where Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like... Um, by the way, did you see the Pantone color of 2023 in magenta? It's not a shade of it, orange. It's I, a, I heard it was. I heard it was not the right shade, and I totally ignored it's it. It's a weird. It's a weird shade of magenta. I have to say, it's 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 a kind of a purpley pink thing. It's I'm I'm not a fan. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll look at it. Do you yeah. agree with this? I did, I haven't. I don't know. Can you agree on a color of the year type of thing? I don't know. I can agree that it's silly uh but yeah um but i i like it as a marketing it's a content campaign that that pantone does every single year right i mean yeah it's yeah. it's pretty smart it's, 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 it's they've program. been doing it for years in any event before we get on to that um i want you to think about diving into any of the other 352 episodes that we've got available for you and that is at our website this old marketing dot site why don't you for christmas Get a subscription for your loved one. Get a, get a subscription to This Old Marketing. Give it away. Forward it. Do something. Give the gift of two chuckleheads talking about Twitter. That's really what you want. The Twitter and the Browns chuckleheads. Give them that gift, won't you? 
Remember, by the way, you can hashtag us up on Twitter uh, at hashtag this old marketing. We love those story ideas. You can also email us. You can also contact us through the site if you're not on Twitter anymore. You can also contact us through Mastodon. Basically, we're really easy to find. So do that, won't you? Uh, get us uh, story ideas. Get us and yourself and your loved one a wonderful subscription of review. We would love a review of anything like that. Basically, all hashtag the promotions of this old marketing are welcome. So there and it, you go. And, it, and I think for a limited time, it's free. Like and we're, for a limited we're not charging. time, it's free. We're not charging Yes, we don't have this old marketing blue yet, where you'll get a verified check mark <laughs> as a subscriber to this old marketing, and uh, then you'll, for $8 a month. Um, all right, do you want to go first, or shall I go first on this uh, this this commentary? No, I, I'll, I'll go for I'll be really brief. It's, okay. it's, as you know, I've been on this thing about online gambling and Twitch streaming and some of the streamers that have been, uh, you know, gambling and being funded by other companies. And a lot of this is just coming out and it's, you know, it's, it's being sent to kids and there's an issue there. But so my, my youngest son sent this to me. Basically, Trainwreck is a YouTuber, very popular new YouTuber, and was, um, brought over to a new platform that's trying to be a Twitch streaming wannabe, which is called Kick. Now, Kick never, Kick was not a streaming platform, but it's becoming a streaming platform, and it's trying to compete with the likes of Twitch. They brought Trainwreck over, and they're paying their creators a lot of money, and in a lot of cases, money, it seems, to talk about online gambling, and it was just brought out, and that CoffeeZilla is uh it's kind of they like a breaking news media site which i was not familiar with but apparently according to my son they're pretty legit found out that kick is owned by stake and if you're familiar with stake stake is a crypto gambling company uh that is basically an offshore casino so <laughs> i just want you to put that together that an offshore casino owns a new platform or a, a new used platform called kick that is ultimately paying their content creators in enormous amounts of money to talk about gambling. Seems to be an issue. Seems to be a problem. They weren't transparent about that. Uh, people have had to, to dig this up. And again, you know, I, I think I talked to you earlier about the you know, content marketing implications. Yeah. If you think about, oh, there's a company who wants to buy a media company and they're not transparent about it, and then they're talking about something in a certain way that benefits the overall parent company, you have to be transparent or it's looked down upon. So everybody's really skeptical this is an issue. I just thought I'd talk about it on the show because you're nobody else. You're not going to find another marketing show that's going to talk about train wreck. <laughs> and, and the implications well, it's, of it, online gambling. It's a so it's an excellent go. yeah, it's an excellent point. You know, one of the questions when I'm doing a <clears throat> a keynote or a workshop these days, one of my main elements of of both is to talk about that acquisition, right? To talk about the 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 builder buy thing that you and I have been talking about for sure. years. And the question that inevitably comes out of that is how do you as a brand promote the acquisition or use or exploit, maybe is the right word, the acquisition to your best without spoiling the water? In other words, without, without appearing like you're going to come in and ruin everything if you buy this publication or this community or this you know, thought leadership website or whatever it is. 
and it's a delicate balance. And and my answer to that is always that it's a delicate balance, right? There's the not being transparent enough, which is definitely the case here, which is you don't want to be so surreptitious about it that you basically make it feel like you're hiding the fact that you're that you're doing this. Yeah, but which nor is what do you it, want to exp- what it, yeah, it came off that way. Right. right. But nor do you want to exploit it to the extent that it basically starts to feel like you've transformed it into a marketing website, which sure. we talked about years ago when AB, the, the big beverage company, bought that craft beer site and issued a press release and made, you know, and, and stuck their logo all over it and all of that. And basically all those subscribers to the craft beer site unsubscribed because they went, oh, now the man owns it, right? This you is know, something the, different. And, and, and yeah. So it is a delicate balance there, and there's a huge lesson to be learned here about how we start to use our owned media, that which we've acquired and that which we've grown, and how much to exploit the existing brand into it and where it starts to cross a line into you know, feeling a little skeevy in terms of marketing and sales, but also to the point where we're not you know, we're not hiding that fact either, right? If you go look at, for example, all the, you know, we talk about Aero Electronics here a lot and their acquisition of 53 publications and communities and e-commerce sites and event sites in the electrical engineering space. And very clearly at the bottom of every page of one of those acquisitions, it says, this is an Aspen Core and Aspen Core is a division of Aero Electronics and here, click here to see about us. So they're sure. not, you know, they don't hide it at all. It's it, But they also don't, exploit it. I think they do a really nice job of balancing it. And 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 marketers make a bigger issue out of this than media companies that that True. basically acquire yeah. every day. And 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 so media companies are dealing this with just thoughtful thoughtful questions. What makes the most sense? How do we not alienate the community? Yes. How do we be transparent enough so they know what we're doing and that we're in their best interests? Like you would any acquisition. Yeah, and it would be so. supported and, and, and it's going to be supported in the future. And so sure. you can count on the same great content that you've come to learn and love over the last few years Absolutely. and et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right. So well, I want to hear. Uh, about, all right. Well, uh, speaking of rant. speaking of Let's yeah, speaking of 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 nothing burgers, um, <laughs> the, Gartner has issued uh, its CMO leadership uh Report Leadership Vision for 2023. The Chief Marketing Officer is the report available to subscribers only, by the way, which, uh, I, you know, makes me feel like, what the hell are you subscribing to? The headline, which we'll link to in the press release uh, that Gartner has released. So go right to the source here. There are a few marketing divers covering this. Some of the others are covering this. And it's just as filled with nonsense um, as the press release is. This is the most press releasey non, I mean, it's 500 words that literally says nothing. The three trends, by the way, for the CMOs in 2023, according to Gartner, this is their press release. These are the three trends that you need to be aware of as a marketer and a CMO. One, shifting customer behaviors that amplify uncertainty. Right. You know, are you uncertain about the future? Yes. So is everybody else. Burdensome cross-functional collaboration yields worse organizational outcomes. In other words, collaboration somehow is bad. And then third, disruptive market dynamics erode traditional sources of brand value. (laughs) In other words, things are getting disruptive right about now with technology uh, and the idea of brand value. The press release then goes on to quote uh, Ewan uh, McIntyre, the chief of research in the Gartner marketing practice. The quote 
that opens up this whole thing is in order to meet the enterprise mandate of driving growth amid continued disruption, CMOs must act decisively, prioritize investments, and their strategy for the year ahead. I am blown away with that insight. I am just absolutely blown away with that insight. That is that is incredible. Uh, they go on to talk about the methodology where they interviewed 400 marketing leaders, and they talk about those three trends in a little more depth, basically saying that disruptive market entrants require established brands to reposition themselves to remain competitive. I know that's a shock to you. Uh, over half basically said that uh, it's less important to choose a well-known brand today than it was three years ago. That's for consumers, by the way, that basically smaller brands are doing well uh, other than established brands. Another big shock. Anyway, I, going on and on and on about this is probably less productive than just saying, I, I, I want more from Gartner. I want, I want more from Gartner in insight and leadership when it comes to marketing. Historically, Gartner has been better uh, at this, but this is just nonsense. Um, and I hope the actual report, which of course I don't have access to because I don't pay the tens of thousands of dollars every year to be a Gartner subscriber. I hope the in-depth report, and for those of you who are subscribers of Gartner, get more value out of it than I certainly got out of what they're promoting and the articles that result from it, because this is just silly. Maybe it was a press release issue. Maybe the report Maybe is I mean, the, the, the three things that they're touting here in terms of, I mean, in terms of content and storytelling, this is this this may become a case study for me in terms of how not to do something, how not to. Maybe there's a really something. powerful illustration. There yeah, could be a really great info. It's a, it's a yeah. it's a it's a Dolly two yeah. illustration. Maybe yeah. inside. I mean, the lack of specificity yeah. here is breathtaking in, in terms of the actual predictions and or trends and or what's going on here. I mean. A, the the number one the first <laughs> the first trend that they point to shifting customer behavior amplify uncertainty in other words the, and they, they they have 200 words devoted to this customer demand and buying behaviors will fluctuate unpredictably says Gartner I mean come on that is that is just that is not specific enough. That is not specific enough for what I pay Gartner to 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 give me insight into. It's just. Are you, are you sure anyway. this isn't a, a 2002 report? Yeah, are you exactly. sure it's a 22 report? Oh my goodness! Maybe you gracious. got maybe maybe an email got delayed and and you just got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. Uh, and it's 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 breathtaking yeah. in its uh in in its press releasiness. So there you have it. That's my rant. Go. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. But uh, so what do you got going on here for the next week? Well, you know, I have uh, we're we're wrapping up the year quickly here. So it's it's heads down, getting some client deliverables done, working on real stuff, which is, you know, feeling hashtag blessed that we're so busy here at the end of the year. And and, and just, you know, heads down working, heads down working for for yeah. for all of that. What uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready for the new year, and I'll be working on uh, trying to get Gartner to sign a uh, advertising program with this old marketing. <laughs> I really, I'm really feeling good about it. So yeah, that's that's what I'll be. Yeah, I'm sure. So thanks gonna, for helping sure me with that. Jump right on. Board. Oh, you bet. Oh, you bet. You bet. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Gartner and the yeah, Magic exactly. Quadrant. We've done a lot of service for them. 
Yeah, indeed. Well, all right, that is it. We're going to see you, by the way, uh, next week, and we'll start to get this uh, year under our belts, as it were. I'm sure we'll have another Twitter update. Until then, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.